The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. More information about the church is available at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Well, we now come in our series in the book of John to John chapter 12. And it begins in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him. And there Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You know, one of the things that I love about Scripture is how real it is. Because when you think about what had happened just a chapter ago. These same people were in utter chaos. Their hearts were broken. They were, they were torn apart. They were in tremendous mourning. They had sent for Jesus, the great healer, to come and to heal their brother. He didn't come. And they had to experience death. When Jesus finally comes on the scene some four days later, he's been in the ground four days, and we saw the anguish of their hearts. If you had only been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But you know as well as I do that Jesus came to do something far greater. In that wonderful day when he called Lazarus out from the grave and saved him from death and brought him out, can you imagine the unbelievable emotional swings that these people went through. And now here we are in chapter 12, and and it's interesting because they're having a dinner. And here's Martha in the kitchen doing her thing. Here's Mary at his feet again, and here's Lazarus laying next to Jesus. Can you imagine the ups and downs? Isn't it just like Christian life? Tremendous highs, tremendous lows. One day things are good. The next day we're wondering what's happened. Where did it go? What's going on? And so the story this morning is so critical for us to continue this, to understand the heart that Mary had. And we're now beginning to look into one of the most momentous weeks in history. It begins with the arrival of Jesus at Bethany on his way up to Jerusalem to be crucified. No other week is as unique and powerful as this week. Of course, we think of the week of creation where it began with creating of light and then ended with God resting on the seventh day. But this week is unique because it's the beginning of the outworking of our salvation. It is the beginning of the week that leads to that point where Jesus Christ pays that ultimate price. In fact, nearly half of the book of John is about this last week. Nearly two-fifths of Mark one-third of Matthew and over a fourth of the book of Luke are concerning this last week of Jesus' life. The events of this week contain the anointing of Jesus at Bethany, the entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the the, um, cursing of the fig tree, the Olivet Discourse, the Last Supper, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, and then three days later climaxes with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to just focus on this one particular part, the anointing of Jesus' feet. In Jerusalem, they were plotting and planning to kill him. But here in Bethany, his friends are throwing a dinner party right under the shadow of the cross. 
Lazarus, the man who had been raised from the dead, is here fellowshipping with Jesus. And you recall what Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And this was true of Lazarus in a physical sense. He had been raised from the dead. But it's equally true of you and I in a spiritual sense. Because when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are literally raised from the dead. And that is the picture that we have. In fact, Jesus made this clear in the next verse in John eleven twenty six. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What a picture we have here. Because if you just look at this event in the home, there's some very, very major truths to see. We see Mary sitting at the foot of Jesus, growing in grace and knowledge. There's Lazarus alive from the dead in fellowship with Christ. And then we see Martha serving, putting on a meal. This was her gift, and she's doing what her gift was. But interestingly, these three essentials are the essentials of a successful church. Because you have new life in Christ, worship, adoration, and service. Would that that would be the picture of Grace Fellowship Church, where we come together and bond together. All of this at the home where Jesus is at the center of it. Jesus is at the center of that home. Jesus is not here today in the physical form, but he sent his Holy Spirit. And as Jeff mentioned in his testimony, it is the leading of the Spirit that we seek to follow as we surrender our lives totally to him and trust him to lead and guide us every step of the way. So now I want us to notice this tremendous devotion that Mary had, the adoration, the attachment, the deep affection that she had. She anointed the feet of Jesus with this costly oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, let's put this in perspective. This fragrant oil was worth about a year's salary. I mean, we're not talking some cheap stuff here. Nard is a fragrant oil delivered from the roots and the hair stems of a plant that's found in the regions of the Himalayas. So this pint of nard that she has had already traveled by caravan from half a world away. The perfume-like oil was used for such a wide variety of purposes as celebration, healing, and to mask the odor of a decaying corpse. It is felt that Mary had bought this for her own burial, but now in the presence of Jesus, she's using it to anoint him. Imagine drenching the feet of Jesus with this costly oil and wiping it with her hair. The whole room would have this fragrant smell. And literally everywhere that Mary went, the smell would go with her. This smell of a broken and spilled out sacrifice. What a fragrance that would be for all of us to carry with us through life, of a surrendered life. So let me just point out some key things here. Number one, Mary knew. Mary knew Jesus was about to die. He was about to give his life for us on the cross, and Mary knew it. Moreover, I think she was the only one who knew it. And I say that because Jesus had tried to tell others. In fact, just hours before on his way to Jerusalem, he had told the disciples, quoted for us in Mark chapter 10, verse 33 and 34, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. 
and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days, he'll rise again. But the disciples didn't understand. In fact, we find this very clear in chapters 13 and 14. And from their despondent, almost unbelieving reaction to the crucifixion, Mary had understood for some time And so she breaks open this perfume over Jesus' feet in order to show him her love and devotion. And I believe that she understood. How did Mary understand? (laughs) By being at the place we find her now, at Jesus' feet, soaking up his teaching. May I suggest to you that if you're struggling to find God's will and to know more about the Lord, you should follow Mary's example and spend more time at the feet of Jesus in the word of God, soaking up, finding out what he wants for your life. In the word, trusting him, leading him, he will never, ever, ever withhold information from you. Do you realize that? In fact, James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. The very scriptures promise that when you're in need and you come and surrender to the Lord and turn it to him, he will guide you. He will guide you into all truth. That's what the the role of the Holy Spirit is in each of our lives. So the second thing that's critical for us to understand here is that Mary loved. She loved. Here's another characteristic also in which we see in Mary we would follow the example of Mary even to the point of extravagant giving. Here we get close to the real motive of this woman. For when we ask why on earth would she pour out this expensive ointment, it wasn't just because she knew he was dying. It was simpler than that. She did it to show him she loved him. She understood his sorrow that was coming just as he had understood her sorrow with Lazarus. You recall when when she came to him and fell down at him in chapter 11 and said, Jesus, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. And we saw that that shortest verse in all the Bible. Jesus wept. And as I told you, I don't think this was just a little tear in the eye. I think he got down and just bawled like a baby with her because he so loved Mary. And Mary knew that. She knew the depth of his love. She knew how much he cared for her. And so now she has an opportunity to show that love and she takes the most expensive thing she has and she just pours it out on his feet. Now, the costly perfume isn't the point of the story. It's a sold out, surrendered life. And Mary was attached to nothing in this world. This pouring out of this expensive oil was the least she could do. And what she was symbolizing here is that this is the most I have. This is the most expensive thing I have. Jesus, I'll pour it on your feet. I'll wipe it up with my hair. You're all that matters. We often think of the widow's mite, these two pennies that she gave, and, and she's just memorializing scripture for this giving heart, a woman who had nothing and gave it. But here's a woman who had one of the most costly things there is, and she spilled it all out at Jesus' feet. 
You see, Judas couldn't understand that. In fact, number three, Judas tries to manipulate the situation. Notice verse 4 and 6 of chapter 12. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why has this ointment not be sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Well, you know, that sounds reasonable. But he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money, he used to help himself to what was put in it. All all he cared about was having all that money put in his his pocket. He'd give some to the poor, but he'd give a whole lot more to himself. And, And what a contrast that we have here at this point. Because Judas' objection to Mary's action is the very first recorded words of Judas in Scripture. And they are a complaint and a false motive. Judas Iscariot is revealing his true nature. He was the treasure of the group. He didn't care for the poor. He cared for himself. He wasn't a thief. He wanted Mary's money to give to the poor, but so that he could take his cut. And out of this greed, eventually he would sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Incidentally, about half the value that Mary poured out at Jesus' feet. Judas kept the bag from which he pilfered. Mary broke open the costly ointment and poured it at Jesus' feet. Judas sought to turn the attention from Jesus to the poor. Mary sought to turn the attention to Jesus. So, Where are you this morning? I mean, I'm sure there's nobody in this room this morning that would say, I'll betray Jesus. But do we betray him every day by how we hoard our life? Do we betray him every day by our lack of faith and lack of trust and lack of allowing the Spirit to take over? Do we deny him every day by hanging on to everything that we think is dear? You see, Mary took it and just poured it out. And it's so important for you and I to look at this story and understand that the real value of what Mary did is a symbol of her pouring her life out to Christ. So we could learn about this if we spent more time at the feet of Jesus and allowed his spirit to work deep into our heart. Next, Judas defends Mary's action. Verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. See, he knows too. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus is not contradicting his statement that he's with us always or that he will never leave us nor forsake us. What he is saying here is that we can always be of service for the poor, but we can't always sit at his feet and learn. And that's what he was saying to Mary and saying to Judas, look, leave her alone. I'm not going to be here long. Her goal is to soak up everything for me. Leave her alone. And I couldn't get away from that this week when I thought about how much do I really sit at his feet compared to the hours of a week? How much do I find really so much more important and necessary than being at his feet? And this is what he was trying to tell Judas. Now, interestingly, this leads to a true memorial. 
There's only one final lesson here, but it's not broken, brought out by John. To see it, we've got to go to Matthew and Mark. And Jesus, when he's explaining this very same situation recorded in Matthew and Mark, he went on to say something else in Mark 14, verse 9. He said, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, that what she has done will be a a memory of her. Do you realize how important this lesson is that we're seeing? Jesus said what she has done will be memorialized forever. And it's being memorialized right now as we look at her story. Some 2,000 years later, we're still talking about what Mary did. And Jesus is penetrating the heart here. Mark 8, verse 35 says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And that's exactly what Mary did. We are remembering her today. Do you want to be remembered? Build love, not monuments. Seek Jesus' ways, not your own ways. Give away and don't hoard. Literally, give up your life to him. There's only one way to live, and that's sold out. We need to remember this point that was brought out so clearly in Matthew chapter 6. Because you recall, as Jesus is teaching, he said in Matthew 6 verse 21, For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if all of us just took a moment and allowed the Spirit to penetrate our hearts and say, Where is my heart? Is it for you, Jesus? 100% or am I holding it back he follows up then in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6 no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you can't serve God and money interesting the word money is used here so what is number one in your life what is it career, family, you put the label on it, whatever it is. Jesus is saying, I need to be number one. I don't need to be number one just so you can have an ease, comfort, and pleasure. I need to be number one so I can take your life to a place that's never gone. I want you to understand that as I am number one in your life, the joy of your life It's going to be doing what I want you to do. Can you imagine any better way to get up in the morning and know that what you're about to do that day is exactly what he wants you to do? Folks, that's real joy. That's real joy. Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself in the Lord, he shall give you the desires of your heart. Literally, what he's saying there is that when you delight in him like Mary did and you pour it all out to him... He will change your heart to want the things He wants you to want. And think of the power in that. Think of the encouragement in that to know that you're walking with the Savior. So there is no in-between. There is no gray areas. You're either living for Him or you're not. It's just that simple. So what is the remedy? 
Matthew 6, verse 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious. In other words, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, our Lord, our Lord stands ready to meet every single need you have. Now, if you're in the middle of a difficult situation, you may find that hard to get your hands around. But I can assure you, when you surrender to him, he will bring you through. We look at Mary, we look at her devotion, we see her surrendered life to Christ. It's pictured for us with an expensive ointment. But the reality is, Mary is saying, Jesus, you have all of me. And that is the life he works through. Now we read this in the Bible, and we read this so long ago, some 2,000 years ago. What does this look like? What does it look like today? Sandy, would you come up? Many of you know Sandy Walker. Sandy's been coming for some time. I had the privilege of baptizing Sandy a few months ago. It was a real joy with her and her, and her cohorts, if I can put it that way, right over here. Sandy, um, she's, she's had some tough times. Lived through a heart attack, had some difficult times. Sandy has two sons. Um, one of them is here, Brandon. I got to baptize him with Sandy at the very same time. Very, very cool opportunity. Sandy has another son. He's in prison. He's serving 18 to life for a very poor decision. What Sandy had to realize, she had to break and spill herself out to the Lord for God to work. Amen? Sandy received a letter from prison, and I, and I want you just to go ahead and share it with us. Son, Jesus Christ. I humbled my ways as your son, and I know you love me enough to save my life and to let me remain with my family that you have given me. I ask you, Father, to look deep inside of me and remove anything that is hindering me from knowing your love. Teach me your ways as I go forth to better my relationship with you. I ask you, Father, to bless my family my friends, and those I consider my enemies. Bless each of them financially, emotionally, mentally, and most of all, heal all of their sicknesses with your healing power. I thank you, God, for this day. I ask you to direct my path and create in me a clean and new heart so that I can do your will, not my will. And please, Father, discipline my thoughts actions, and abilities to become the man you predestined me to be. Bless me with the boldness and the confidence to know that everything will be okay. I ask all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
You see, as a mom, Sandy had to come to the point where she surrendered it to Christ. The situation is not going away. Jail is not going to just open its door like it did with Paul and let him walk out. He's there. But in the midst of that jail cell, God worked. And that young man will be in heaven. And the reason I wanted Sandy to read that letter to you is because it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about getting what I want and healing my hurts and meeting my needs and taking care of everything I want. It's about glorifying Jesus Christ. And Mary poured her life out at his feet. And I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to do it? Are you ready to say, Jesus, I don't care what's going on in my life. You've got it. I'm pouring my life out before you. Everything in me that I hold dear is yours. Everything that I cling to is yours. Everything I worry about, everything I'm afraid of, everything that holds me back, today it's yours. I want you to live through me. I want to be broken and spilled out. You know, the one line in that prayer that really struck me is when Brian wrote, I ask you to direct my path and create in me a clean and new heart so that I can do your will and not mine. Imagine writing that for Michelle. Even there, he wants his life to count for Christ. You who are free, do you want your life to count for Christ? There are no rivers too deep. There are no valleys too low. And why? Because it's not about me. It's about Almighty God. Now, one more thing I do want to share from here. And I don't want you to miss this. Martha also gave her all. She doesn't strike me as the person who would want expensive perfume. Martha valued hard work. That can be seen in every context in which we find her. She dealt in perspiration rather than perfume, if I could put it that way. But more importantly, she's serving God with her life. We're going to listen to a song in closing this morning. And here's what I would like you to consider. If God is working in your heart, if you're tired of living life on your own, and you want to spill, be broken and spilled out before him, while that song is playing, if you'd like to just come and pray at the front here, please do so. And if you're not a child of God and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, come, talk to me or someone, and we'll show you how you can know for sure.
Father, it is our desire to lay our feet down, to lay ourselves at your feet. Lord, there is so much in this world that draws us away from you, but this simple act of Mary pouring out everything at your feet has been remembered all these years. And as Jesus said, it is a memorial for her life. Lord, I pray that in this church, all of us would be willing to pour our lives out at your feet, whatever the cost, wherever you take us, that we might know the security and the love of a life hid with you. Move in our hearts, God. Change our hearts. Give us that surrender spirit to know that whatever we surrender, you fill up with your love and surrender. May we trust you completely in Christ's precious name.